0: Good morning, good morning, Ed. a great morning outside. It's kind of muggy, but you know, it's the dog days of summer. Hey, for the next hour or so, we're just going to talk about stuff. I hope you're staying this hour it's cool and you're dry, but for the next hour, we're going to be talking about gardening. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden party. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. I'm your host, horticulturist, Fellow Rushing, and my hard-working producer is java chapman we're going to take a quick break and come back with whatever you've got on your gardening mind this july weekend again horticulturalist fellow russian here at mpb talking about gardening sit back relax we're going to do a little bit of news and come back with your live phone calls folks sit back we're gonna get a little dirty
1: An MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks! Welcome
0: back again, Horticulture's to Rushing, and uh, we've got a, we can have a pretty good program today. I know a lot of people have got things going on in their minds, things going on in the garden. We want to ask about them. We we like our theme song so much. We're going to play it again. How about that? How <laughs> Java? Did you just push a wrong button?
2: Felda, we got, we got to keep our secrets to ourselves, man.
0: <laughs> I just want to let people know it's not always me. <laughs> anyway, hey, we can, is, is it nice and cool in Mississippi right now?
2: It really is. Really? And, I, and, and today, I think, is the last day of this this cool weather for July. <laughs> Whew,
0: yeah, cool weather. It's actually uh, hotter in uh, northern England than it is in Mississippi. Uh but anyway, that's just the way it goes. And we can we can have a good time. We've got a lot of callers. I understand that Kevin is in there greeting folks on the phone. So we hope folks give us a call. It's toll-free one eight seven seven MPB ring. And before we go to our first caller, let me let me say that we want to give a special shout out to folks who are listening to my podcast. We appreciate, as we say in the South, all y'all. If you're not sure what we mean, y'all means you all. All y'all means all of y'all. Anyway, if you want to give us a call again, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's start out up in the prairie part of the state of West Point. Good morning, Annie. How are you today?
3: Good morning, soldier. I'm Howdy. generally fairly well. Uh Oh,
0: so far so good. What you got going on?
3: Well, it's a couple things. I planted a sixteen foot square area raised bed. Of zucchini squash. They came up fine, but they bloomed for about three weeks and not a one put on any kind of fruit, and now they're all wilting and the plants are dying. Um, I planted okra three times before I got a good stand. My okra's about four feet tall now, but it's not putting on okra. Huh. So. Well, what let, do me,
0: you let think me throw. The well, I'm not sure. And, and, and I think that, that, to be honest with you, anybody who gives expert advice without really knowing is being dishonest. So I'm going to make a couple of educated guesses. First of all, a lot of people are having problems with their gardens this year. I've gotten so many emails from people who've had to plant and replant. And I'm thinking it might have something to do with the weather. It might have been too rainy and too cool for too long. And then when that caused problems. When people got around to replanting, it was kind of late and hot, and all these things affect plants, so it might just be bad luck with the weather. Uh, but also, you could be fertilizing a little bit too much, just a little too much fertilizer can make plants grow tall without flowering. That that happens a lot with tomatoes, and it can happen with okra. So let's let's, let's try, let's, let, 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 me, let me recommend this. With your okra, this sounds a little crazy, but it's absolutely true. If you go out... And take your okra plants and bend them over, not to where they break, but where they sort of pop a little bit, stretch a little bit. This actually releases a hormone called traumatin that kicks in flowering. A lot of people, you say, you could go out and switch your okra with a stick. Anything to stress them can help that. You can also prune every other one of your okra plants like a bush, kind of you know a couple of feet tall, and they'll bush out more branches. And that'll stimulate have ochre bushes instead of ochre trees. So that'll help a little bit. So I hold back on fertilizer and I prune some of them back and sort of rough the other ones up and see if that doesn't help. As far okay. as your zucchini, as far as your zucchini, there are so many things that can affect them. The first thing I want you to check was see if there's along the stem near the ground. There's any kind of kind of wet yellow sawdust coming out of the stems, and if you find that, that's a real common insect called a squash vine borer, and it'll cause the plant just to collapse and die. But you'll see the little wet yellow uh, sawdust-like stuff coming out of the stem, and that might be all that is. But other than that, I'm just guessing, and I really hate to do that.
3: Okay, thank you. I have another question. Sure. Uh, With global warming. What's going, is there a backup plan for the World Seed Bank, which is, my understanding, is embedded in oh. a glacier somewhere, maybe in Iceland?
0: Yeah, a couple of things here. You know, there's, of course, a seed bank up, I, I, I don't know if as Iceland or, or Finland or someplace like that. It's a really cold place. Um, you know the people who are in charge of that. They're working. You know they they're double checking everything. They you know they they're the experts, and I've trusted they're doing the best they can with a backup plan. Uh, but also there's a lot of people who are actually more and more uh, people who are saving seeds and sharing through organizations like Seed Savers. The so Seed Savers Exchange does a good job of use of saving. Garden-type plants, you know, and they spread them around among gardeners all over who, in turn, can send some of their seeds back. So, anyway, you know, would you have to wait and see? It is a serious situation, um, but I'm just trusting the people in charge are, are more, you know, they're real concerned about it and dealing with it.
2: Felder, I did a quick Google search, and um, they had the seed bank. It's in uh, Norway, the, uh, Norway. Norway. Uh-huh
0: yeah i knew it was up there someplace cold but uh, yeah no they're having trouble with it because it's, they thought they'd f- put it as in a place that would never be you know at risk but it's thawing out but anyway they're working on it. the people are in charge it's been several years since there was anything about it but they're they're on top of it more than more than anybody so anyway appreciate you calling about that annie and good luck with your with your zucchini by the way it's not too late to replant a summer garden if you want to plant tomatoes and peppers and zucchini and okra and stuff uh, first week or so in August is uh, sort of the end of the recommended time for planting summer stuff to get a harvest in the deep south before fall. Hey, let's slide a little bit up the road to uh, Holly Springs. Hey, Gary, thank you for holding. What's up? Good morning, Belter.
2: Uh, Howdy. I got a question. You've run it by me before, but I forgot. On the blueberry uh. bushes, uh, what time and how do you uh, prune notes?
0: Well, this is, this is the time to do it. It's getting a little bit late, but the stuff is getting really tall. It's almost getting it's too hard to pick. You could take those whole parts and cut them you know, back to knee high if you want to, just like you would a rose bush or something, and they'll put out new growth. And if you get right on it, there's time for that new growth to come out and mature and set flower buds before fall. So that's one thing. other thing is, in the spring and early summer, stiff the tips off all the new growth, you know, that kind of uh, – a blue-green color, stiff the tips off it, and instead of getting long and tall, it'll bush out. So stiff oh. the tips off new growth and cut out the tall stuff. Try to get it done, you know, about now if you can.
2: Okay, I just planted these at the end of May. They're not but about 14 inches tall, so they were tall kind of when I planted them. But they've got new growth on them. They're, they're growing good.
0: They're nice and pretty, pretty nice and compact. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, all that. the stuff that's on all the stuff that's on it now are going to be the main branches three, four, five, six years from now. So you know, you want to you don't want to have a lot of growth in there, you know, because every one of those little things on the small plant is going to need elbow room to become a like a limb next. So you could actually thin a few of those out, and the ones that are left will actually get the energy to cut off, and they'll actually grow a little bit more. So you might want to okay. thin if there's a if there's a bunch of branches close together. You're not going to want them three or four years from now, so go ahead and cut them off now, and that'll invigorate what's left.
2: Okay, I appreciate it very much. Y'all have a great right. night.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks you for your call. All righty, folks. Hey, by the way, I'm, I'm, this is sort of the last call for anybody who has some input. I'm working on a book about diggers. D-I-G-R. Diggers means determined, independent gardeners. They're the kind of folks who do what they who grow what they want. They don't. Well, they care what other people think, but it doesn't matter. But the kind of folks who are exuberant about growing and sharing all sorts of stuff. The number one being featured is a guy who used to host this program called Dr. Dirt. Dr. Dirt died several years ago. And he's being featured in this book as one of the main examples of great gardeners who are generous with, with their with their plants and knowledge. If you have some anecdotes about something that w- with dirt, send it to me this week because I'm wrapping it up the manuscript next week. Send me any kind of stuff that you have about Dr. Dirt, uh, and you can send it to here to, to MPB, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, it's got a lot of little things in, in this book, uh, including one I'm working on right now called Garden Myths, things that... Uh, Gardner's been sharing for a long, long time this either not right or it's just plain or wrong. Just not true. And repeating it online doesn't make it true. So I've got a whole bunch of gardening myths that I'm busting because I'm at the age where I can I can just say it now. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh let's go up to Tippa County, North Tippah County. Hey Joe, good morning,
2: sir. Good morning, sir. Uh, I have I have some young muscadine vines I set out last year and I was I've been h- busy harvesting my blueberries and let the grass grow up so I was weeding yep. around them and you can guess what I did yeah my weed eater caught on something and it jerked sideways and I I debarked it about a an inch and a half above the ground up about five inches and yep. so I knew that was going to kill it so I just cut it off right above but right where it, where it still had bark on it. And I'm yeah, it should have sprouted back out by right now. Will that vine come back?
0: Yeah, because mus- muscadines are rooted; they're not grafted. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if you know, if you go ahead and and kind of lightly work up the dirt around it, put <laughs> you some a nice little layer of bark mulch. You know, not not like a fire ant mound, but like a donut yeah. around it. That'll kind of keep it cool, and then let it spread. And it should sprout out pretty quick and real strong. And sometime this winter. Thin out all but the the one or two strongest of those things, but it should sprout right on right back on that. As long as you cut it off below the the damaged area, it should sprout out just like it been pruned.
2: Okay, uh, okay. I, I was wondering whether I need to dig it up and replace it or whether it would come back. That's what I wanted to know. No,
0: no, no. Because the roots are fine. when yeah. it does sprout out, it's gonna really jump. So be sure to come back and thin out sometime this winter, all but the strongest one or two, and they're gonna. I mean, those roots are still intact. So it's gonna grow faster than ever now.
2: Yeah. Good. Okay.
0: And hey, you know you can you can go to uh, one of these big box stores and get a little short foot long pieces of metal rebar sticking in the ground around there, so this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to debark a piece of rebar. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, if it was possible, I, I, I could do it. Okay.
0: Good luck on it, man.
2: Thank you, pal. Bye. All right.
0: Appreciate it toll-free folks that's what it is doesn't cost anything to give us a call one eight seven seven mpb I'm also online if you've got some things you want to shoot me an email about garden at mpbonline.org it comes straight to me I'm a horticulturist fell to rushing don't know it all would, wouldn't, wouldn't even try to guess about some things but I can be real hard-headed about things that I know I can be hard-headed about things I don't know So if there's something I can learn from you, bring it on. I'm not that kind of expert. Love to learn stuff, and I will change my mind if you can convince me. Uh, Again, we're going to take a real quick break here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Me and Java and Kevin are going to take a real quick break and come back with more of your phone calls and a couple of emails I think are interesting right after this. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. For the Coast of Stelter Russia, we've got the lines wide open, so uh, if you want to give us a call, give us a call. It's toll-free again, one mpb ring sitting here ready to yak with you about stuff. I got some emails this week, and one of them is uh, similar to a couple of calls I've already gotten. Uh, Poppy St. Pierre said that, she sent me a picture of a fig tree in a pot, and it's about four feet tall with no branches. Want well, know if she should pinch the top out, not any side branches. I said, nope, cut it back to about a foot, foot and a half or so tall so it bushes out closer to the ground. That way you'll have two or three strong low limbs instead of it sprouting out. Wherever you make a cut on a plant, the new growth comes out right there. In the case of a potted fig tree or something, you want to branch out kind of low, so cut it back foot, foot and a half tall, It'll sprout back out, thin those out to two or three really good ones, and those will be the main trunks from then on. Let's get any kind of hard pruning done, any kind of hard pruning you want to do in your garden. I mean, cutting stuff's way back. Let's get it done the next couple of weeks so the new growth has time to come out and mature and settle down before fall. Uh, so I know it's hot out there, but let's don't do any hard pruning, you know, pretty much past the middle of August, I guess. Now let's go to Hubert. In Jackson. Good morning, Hubert. Thank you for calling, sir. Uh, how do I root uh, Clara Curtis chrysanthemums? Oh boy, that's one of my favorites. It's a great chrysanthemum. Um, first of all, you, it, it, chrysanthemums will root in like two weeks. If you take not the real floppy stuff on the very tip but close to it, cuttings so old three or four or five inches long and put them in some moist potting soil, uh, not that real floppy stuff in the end, and not the old woody stuff, It's somewhere this year's growth. And if you'll put it in some moist potting soil, maybe some sandy stuff so it doesn't stay wet, and then cover it with a plastic tent or maybe the uh, a plastic cola bottle with the bottom cut off and a cap thrown away so it steam can escape. If you do that in a bright place, and not direct sun, but really, really bright, they should have roots on them in two or three weeks. It's a great plant for, for rooting. It also divides real easy.
4: Would they bloom this fall?
0: Uh oh yeah yeah, yeah. So if you get right on it these are what we call short day plants we we got plenty of time for the new growth to come out and kind of mature before the shorter days kicking that flowering process and uh so the part the, the 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 rootings you cut may not have time because they're going to be spending time just rooting but the parts that are left have time to bush out and bloom but the the, the rooted new rootings they very well might root uh they they might bloom
4: might thank you sir
0: Hey, let me throw this out. Are these in your yard or are you getting them from somebody else? My yard. Okay. Well, you know, the the ones that are left to do fine. I've come across, by the way, this is a real unusual chrysanthemum. You know, it's not like cushion mums and asters at all. It's a unique, special type of chrysanthemum that was invented, hybridized, basic in the 1930s in Wales, and there's like 15 different kinds. I've got about a dozen, including some that are burgundy, some that are yellow, some that are white, some are red, all different kinds, just like Clara Curtis. But I'm gonna, and I'm trying to get them enough of them going to where I can get some of the gardens in and start carrying them again. Really? Great plant. All right, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Hubert. Okay, uh, by the way, I got a, uh, speaking of uh, rooting stuff, I got an email from Samantha Wood this week. Won't know if it's possible to root a pepper plant. And a lot of people don't think about peppers because they're grown from seed. But peppers are actually semi-tropical shrubs. And you can root cuttings of them right now, as long as they're kind of small cuttings. And again, the, the, the key to rooting uh, things in the summertime, bright light, not direct sun. Cover them with a tent to keep the humidity up. You know, those are the real important things. Now, let's go over to Rankin County. Hey, Kathy, how are you this morning? Good morning, Felder.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy. I I learned something that I thought you might be interested in knowing or either you could tell me it was wrong. I had this beautiful (laughs) stand of lemon balm. I love Uh to walk by it. I love to work in it. It smells so good. Well, I read in a gardening book that bees do not like lemon balm because it messes up their homing senses. (laughs) I don't think that's true. You don't think so? (laughs) Well, you know, at the same time,
0: I, I will look it up, I will do some research on it, but it's in every recommended and every bee garden I've ever seen anywhere. It's one of the best for bees, but it may be something to that.
1: Well, I was interested because I have been pulling lemon balm out of my yard everywhere, and the bee—I have not had bees. Even had clover blooming. There were there were no bees on the clover, and I thought maybe there's something to this. And I was curious to know what you thought.
0: Well, uh, what, my, my, as I said before. I'm always open to learning stuff. Sometimes I'm just wow. I was so wrong on that, or I didn't know that. <laughs> but, but but lemon balm is one of the most popular plants for bees, and um, lemon balm is. And but there may be something to you know to that. I'm, I'm gonna do some research. Stay tuned.
3: But uh, <laughs>
0: my, my, my my gut my gut feeling is if there's a problem with it, we'd know about it by now. And people say don't plant it because all the experts recommend it.
1: Well, anyway, really?
0: I have an open, I have an open mind. See what we can find out.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much. I was just curious to know what you thought. Okay, and thank, thank you so you, much. Appreci- I love your program.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty, folks. I'm gonna do a little quick research while uh, we're gonna play a tune in a few minutes that's uh, perfect for summertime. It's a goodie oldie, but goody. We'll play that while I'm doing that. I'm a sea of lemon balm. Has something in it that might confuse bees. Just don't know. I'd be real surprised because it's in the mint family, and uh, mint is uh, all the members of the mint family are, including bee Balm or just wonderful pollinator plants. Anyway, we'll look about that. Hey, if you want to give me a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Got a few things I want to share real quick before we go into the music. One is an um, uh, email I got from a guy named Jared who wants to know why he doesn't have any earthworms. Why there are there no earthworms in the soil? And um, so I had to put my thinking cap on. First of all, he may be in an area where the dirt is just so poor, dirt being what's under all the in the shallow stuff all over his neighborhood it might be stuff that's just not good for worms so won't be in the first place but also if he used a lot of insecticides in his garden uh, worms can be killed as well Uh, and if the soil is poor or heavy clay worms might be there but really small and struggling to survive here's what i'd recommend Uh, first of all if you want to add worms to your garden Don't you throw them out there. You know, they need to eat. They're just like subterranean cows. You need to feed them. You need to keep them where it's moist but not too wet. So in general, what worms do, they eat leaves, grass clippings, compost, decomposing organic matter is what they eat. So if you put some, some chopped up leaves out there, maybe some bark, um, you know, any, anything like that—hay, straw, vegetables, anything like that—that's organic. That, that uh, will decompose. Worms will eat it. Uh, second of all, put it thick enough to where it keeps the ground cool, not too hot, because worms don't like heat. Um, and and if they can't get down deep because it's heavy clay they'll just die. So, If you want to kind of lightly work the dirt up, cover it with a thick layer of mulch and include some chopped leaves, some vegetable scraps, maybe a little cotton seed meal. And, and this is my real secret for worms. Worms don't live on just grass alone. Just like farmers give their cows protein supplements, worms need protein also. Cotton seed meal, natural product, even if it's grown from conventional uh, cotton, is considered organic, it's safe. Cottonseed meal provides nitrogen to help things uh, organic matter compost better, but it also has protein. Protein will make those worms big and beefy. So cover the ground up with some, some mulch, a little bit of um, some chopped leaves, maybe some vegetable scraps, something they can eat. Quick grass clippings, um, and then dust a little bit of cottonseed meal. We're talking about a pint jar will cover a uh, hundred square feet, easy, uh, easy. So yeah, it's, not, it's just a good dusting. I think you'll have worms real, real fast. Let me throw out one other thing: if you, uh, if you don't have worms and you want to get some, don't buy them. The red wigglers—they don't grow in any kind of dirt. They're tropical stuff that live in boxes for vermicomposting. And the the big ones you get from the store, from the the bait shop, they're big old overfed things go find some trees or leaf piles someplace close by dig around and get you some native worms work some of that in your dirt and it's going to have worms and worm eggs and worm cocoons just take it from there anyway uh let's go to uh diane down in Gaucher. hey diane good morning good morning hello what's up
4: i have locusts in my yard and i was wondering how to get rid of them
0: when you say locust, you talking about the grasshopper things or the cicada things?
4: Oh, the grasshopper things.
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, by the time you notice them, they're pretty big, and the bigger they are, mm-hmm. the harder they are to poison. And I mean, that's a okay. real tough one because you know the little ones are fairly easy to kill with something like seven or any in, almost any kind of insecticide will kill the little ones. The big ones, um, by the time you notice them, they probably might be about as big as they're going to get, and hard to kill, and they're going to be gone soon anyway. So. You know, there's not anything I can recommend a spray that's going to knock a big grasshopper to the ground that's going to be safe for you or the or the animals or the neighbors. So I don't know what to say except get your a pair of scissors and go after as many as you can. That's a tough oh. one. If they're big, if, if they're small, almost any kind of insecticide will control the small ones mm-hmm. okay, if you use a spray. But uh, the big ones, whew, they're tough. One. They call them lubbers. They got the yellow stripe down their back. Uh Yes. Oh, as big as your finger.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, it's bigger than the, my they're
0: all, Well, the, the 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 big ones are probably on the way out. You know, by the time you notice them, they've done about all the damage they're gonna go, and they're not they don't keep getting bigger and bigger like rabbits or squirrels or something. So it might be they're already at the end of the damage they're gonna do. So just keep your eye oh. out for some little ones. If you see them, then get out a spray. Any even natural sprays will, will kill the little ones, but you almost have to be out there all the time just to see them. They, they look like okay. the big ones, but they're you know about the size of a pencil eraser. So anyway, if they're big, what I do is just take my glasses off and ignore them as best you can, or take a pair of scissors to those you can reach.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs>
0: good, good luck. Hey, they're, they're too right. big to fit on a. they right. They're too big to fit on a fishing hook. Yeah, they're they're pretty big, <laughs> pretty big. Good luck. Good, sure good, good. luck on it. They'll they'll be gone soon. Appreciate you calling, right. Diane. All righty. Okay, folks, i got a little research to do real quick on lemon balm. But meanwhile, we've got a uh, a little tune. It's um, about three minutes long. We might cut it short a little bit toward the end and fade it out uh, because we want to talk with you about what's on your gardening mind. And if you've got some questions or comments, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING mpb stands for mississippi public broadcasting tell kevin i said hey when you call him and we're going to take a quick break and come back with more of your questions and get the dirt on gardening we'll be right back out of this horticulturist fellow rushing stay tuned we'll be right back
3: An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio.
0: Okay, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Fell to Rushing, we're talking about gardening. And I spent a little time just in doing... Uh, some internet research, and let me tell you right off the bat, a lot of stuff that I read on the internet is not correct. I see all sorts of stuff that are recommended for gardening. It just doesn't work. just doesn't work. That's all it is to it. Don't even know any what, what, way around it. They're good ideas, and they're common myths, and they're repeated over and over. And no, Pardon the, the uh, I'm sure Kevin would be, uh, his skin crawls, I said repeated over and over again, but you know what I mean often repeated that certain things are true or not true and, and it's just wrong. Anyway, I cannot find anything that says anything negative about B bomb for bees, or lemon balm for bees, or mint for bees. Any member of that family, they seem to be great for bees. Can't find anything about it. Not to say it's not true, because you Google, let me give you an an example of of an easy myth that'll mess you up. I've got a whole list of garden myths I'm working on. Uh, Things like... uh, you need to have your soil tested. Well, you really don't. If you try trying to, to, to win an award or produce a crop or micromanage a crop, soil testing can help pinpoint deficiencies. But it's not necessary, and you know it, and I know it. How about this? Uh, you don't have to prune roses above an outward-facing five leaflet leaf. You don't. You don't have to prune them. You can cut them with a, with a chainsaw if you want to. How about this? There are no truly dependable deer-proof plants. A lot that deer will avoid given a choice uh, or given no choice. But, I mean, people will eat gravel if they if they get hungry enough. Deer will eat just about any. How about this? Vinegar doesn't kill plants. It just burns them back. And that's true. It just burns them back. So it doesn't kill them. Uh, it, it damages them pretty severely. Um, how about this one? Uh, Eggshells don't add calcium to the soil. I hear this all the time. And you go online and I'm going to say 99 out of 100 hits you get on the internet says eggshells are great to put around tomatoes and other things that need calcium. Well, the truth is eggshells are made of a calcium that's not available to plants as a nutrient. It has to be broken down in the soil by soil acids, which can take years to do. Uh, If you want to use eggshells to provide calcium for your tomatoes, you need to grind them up, put them in a a, a container with a little bit of vinegar, which is acetic acid, and the vinegar makes them all fizzy, but it converts the eggshell calcium into a form that plants can absorb. So just throwing eggshells around your plants, which I recommended for years, uh, it's just a myth, it really doesn't help. Um, How about this? compost piles don't have to be turned. You don't have to turn an a compost. You know, it's a leaf pile. It's no big deal. You know, I've got all these sort of things that what I call pie in the sky or rock candy, Ma- rock candy mountain things. And uh, I'm not trying to be a jerk about this, but I'm just trying to say there's a lot of things that, that we hold true that just aren't true. If you want to give me a call and share some of yours, or ask about these kind of things. If I don't know, I will research it until my eyes bleed. But I cannot find anything that shows that lemon balm is a problem to bees, which is great because it's one of the best bee plants I've ever seen anywhere. Uh, give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring You want to talk about gardening? I do too. And uh, hey, let me throw this out. This is a um, from Alex. Alex said, uh, please advise me what to do with my pear tree. One side... It's got pears, regular-sized pears. Other side, the pears are the size of marbles. Uh, Leaves look the same. Should I cut it? Uh, Here's the deal. Most fruit trees you buy in garden centers are grafted. They're grafted onto the rootstock of sort of like a wild version of that. Uh, if you have a damage to your pear tree and it sprouts from below the graft, that's what we call a wild pear tree. It's the kind of seal on the roadside. And it has small pears, pea size, marble size, crab apple size. So what's happened is he's had a sprout come up from below the graft alongside the regular one. And the, the grafted one had regular pears. The one with small pears is that wild thing from the rootstock. And I recommend it either just cutting it off or better yet, just leave it. It's not hurting anything. And the truth is, there's, the wild pear will actually help pollinate the ones left. So just learn to pick the ones that are the right size for you and let it go. So that's the kind of thing where I have to put my head together on some stuff. Now, we've got a fellow named Jerry who's somewhere on the road. Hey, Jerry, good morning, sir.
3: Hey, good morning, Calder. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm fine. What's going on? I hope you pulled off or you're on hands-free.
3: Yeah, I am indeed. I am indeed. Good. Listen, What's no, up? the first lady that called, uh, sparks sparks my interest, what do you do about squash bugs? You know, every year I grow squash and have one yeah. or two harvests, and then the next thing I know the plants are dead, you know, from squash bugs.
0: And is this the squash bugs or the vine borer? Uh, you
3: know, yeah. uh, uh, the plant just yeah, collapses. But- yeah, the
0: vine, vine borer is the larvae of a – looks like it's a moth, a clear-winged red and black moth. It looks like a wasp, and it flies around during the daytime, lays eggs on the stems and the lower leaf stems, and the larvae burrow in and go down. It's pretty characteristic because you'll see this wet yellow sawdust coming out of the stem. Once they get in, there's not much you can do, but you can take a, a, a needle or a pen and just stab it up and down. It, it's not enough to hurt the vine, but it'll stab whatever's in it. That'll help a little bit. What most people do where they have a lot of problems is, is they put insect netting over their squash, and then they hand-pollinate their squash. They lift it up. They use the male flowers to pollinate the female flowers, which is a real pain, but it keeps almost everything on. Insect netting is what... You know, I spend a lot of time in England, and everybody has a garden over here. Insect netting is sort of a routine thing. They all, you just got to use it. In America, you feel like a freak if you use it because nobody does but <laughs> insect net, Insect netting works. I have to use it to keep the little green caterpillars off of my pea vines, my my English peas. But, you anyway, know, netting will help a lot, but you do have to lift it up, hand pollinate your squash. And if you don't know how to do that, I can help you with that, too. But um, as far as the, as far as the stink bugs, those big bugs that a lot of times their back leg looks like a leaf leaf footed bug, they're right. hard to kill. But the, there is a spray called pyrethrin, which is it's a natural, it's an organic for uh, uh, spray. It's made from chrysanthemum. Pyrethrin are really pretty powerful for insects. and don't bother mammals that much. But what you'd want to do is spray it. Late in the day, after the bees have stopped working the flowers, it'll work overnight on the stink bugs, which are hard to kill just about anything else.
3: All right, then. Well, very, yes, great. Thanks for, you. thanks for sharing that. Good luck. Good luck. Hey, you, you still got time
0: to plant some more if you want to give it a go, but get you some insect
3: netting at the same
0: time. All right. Thanks. <laughs> good, good luck. I appreciate it, Jerry. All right, toll-free folks, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, let me let me throw out something that's a little kind of a, a personal sadness, I guess. Uh, a couple of times I have met a fellow named Jerry, excuse me, Elmer Long. Elmer Long lived out. He just passed away last week. He lived out in the Mojave Desert. I'm, I mean, right on Route 66. You had to park on Route 66 to walk into this garden in the Mojave Desert, west of Barstow, California. Um, and what's special, and I've actually pictures of him in one of my books, Elmer Long has the largest bottle tree forest on earth. Dozens and dozens and dozens of all sorts and shapes and sizes of different kinds of usually metal structures with bottles on them. It was just an incredible display. It's a bottle tree forest right in the middle of the Mojave Desert, right on the side of the road. Uh, anyway, he passed away last week. Uh, I featured interviewed him, and I featured him in my book on bottle trees, another um, uh, garden glass. Uh, very inspiring, and um, you know he was a he was a, 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 a retired Marine. Not crazy, just had a long gray beard and had bottle trees. Anyway, if you want to know a little bit more about Jerry uh, Elmer Long, the bottle tree man, just Google it. It's amazing what his garden was like. Elmer Long, the bottle tree man in the Mojave Desert. Anyway, I enjoyed you while you're here. Now let's go down to Macomb to my. Grandparents' stomping grounds. Hey, Dennis, how are you this morning?
4: I'm doing fine, and you?
0: Good, good, fine. You born and raised in Pike County?
4: No, sir. I was uh, born and raised up in Port Gibson, Mississippi. Country boy.
0: Oh, huh? oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, uh, you mean a river rat? Well, it used to be on a river. Yeah. Well, you know about yeah. Pike, uh, you know about Felder's Campground outside of Macomb, though. That's where my folks are buried. I'm named after those folks. Anyway, what's
4: going on? All right, Uh, about compost piles. My Uh son did a science project, and of course, I helped him with it. And in my garden, we built four by eight wooden containers. Okay. Right. Uh, And we gathered leaves from roadside garbage bags, and we fill those three with leaves. Okay. Right. Uh, we weren't picky about what kind of leaves we put in it. We put leaves in it. In the right, right. One, I'm with you. And the first one, we did nothing. Yeah. We just let them sit. mm mm-hmm. uh, And the second one, we turned them. Okay? In other words, we turned leaves under the dirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, right. You know, work of compost. Right. The first, you mix it in. All uh, one. Okay. We turned and um, don't look like this, but we put urine in there. All right. Yep. Uh, Or urea. Okay. Out of the three piles, the second one composts faster. Yep. Okay, turning it. Whenever you turn it and add urea, it composts even faster. That's right. And uh, I just thought I would pass that on as far as you were saying it was a myth as to whether or not you turn compost. It really-
0: No, 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 no.
4: You're, it's a myth that you have to turn it because I got a
0: leaf. I won't do anything to mine that makes beautiful compost. It just takes time. What you wanted was fast results. And when you when you chop it up, when you mix it with dirt, when you add nitrogen, that speeds it up. You can make compost from start to finish. In three weeks flat, if you chop it up, add some nitrogen, keep it aerated in turn, three weeks flat. So it's it's not a myth that, 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 that it works because it works quicker, but the myth is That you have to because you don't. Uh, It's just a leaf. It just takes longer if you got a leaf pile. But what you did was to speed it up, and it works like a charm. And by the way, when you turned it into the dirt, you inoculated those leaves with the real beneficial stuff that actually do the composting. And then you fed those with the nitrogen, the bacteria, and the fungi. They use the bacteria use the nitrogen as their body, and that really speeds it up. So what you did was you did what we call hot composting, and uh, and that is a that's a high end. It's almost like a hobby. But to me, composing is like walking. If you're trying to catch a train or if you're just pushing a grocery cart, it's just one step in front of the other just depending on how fast you want to get there. But uh, anyway, great observation. Folks, this man did homemade vernacular research and showed that composting can be sped up by adding different kinds of things. That's that spirit. That's that make-do, digger, determined, independent gardener spirit that I like. So anyway, the myth is that you got to do this stuff. The truth is, they can help if you're in a hurry. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break and come back with more of your phone calls. Got some lines open. You want to give us a call? Toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. By the way, this is Thomas Grillo, playing a duet with himself on the theremin theremin is the only music instrument that you don't have to touch it anyway thomas grillo is a world-renowned thereminist from fondren mississippi we're gonna take a real quick break and come out with more phone calls right after this Okay, doke, folks, welcome back. Horticulture Felder Rushing. We're talking about gardening. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free 1 877 MPB Ring. Slide down to Hattiesburg and talk with Jonathan. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing okay today. How about yourself?
0: Okay. So far, so good. What's up?
2: I got a question about soils. Um, my father lives in Jones County, and we have some land in the Mississippi Delta in is a County, and he had decided he was going to plant some sawtooth oaks that the they came from the land in the delta and he had three pots in his backyard and one pot he just used regular dirt and soil out of his backyard one pot he used a just i'll say an average potting sole that you can pick up anywhere and the third he used the miracle grow brand potting sole uh-huh yeah and there's Noticeable difference between them now the backyard soil and the average potting soil. They were close. The potting soil, the trees growing a little bit taller right now, but the one yeah. with the Miracle Grow in the same amount of time. Whereas you know the first two were you know maybe three feet tall, the one in Miracle Grow was six feet tall, and I was uh-huh. wondering what the difference was between you know the Miracle Grow and I'm not much of a gardener, or farmer, that sort of thing. So I was wondering, right, what do they do with the potting soils for the growth to be such so noticeably yeah. different?
0: Yeah, it's a good question, and all these are in containers, right?
2: Correct, and they're all yeah. the same yeah. size. Yeah. Here,
0: here, well, here's here's what potting soil does. It not only supports plants, you know, physically holds them up. But it, it also provides spaces for air and water, which roots need both air and water. Too much dirt has got, doesn't have big enough air air spaces. So dirt, not enough air, too much water, you know, that, that sort of thing. Potting soil has air pockets that also hold water, but also they provide nutrients. So it's not just how well it drains, whether it stays too wet or dries out too fast or just right. Uh, So the air and water ratio is really important. That's reason it's hard to grow stuff in just dirt in pots because it turns into concrete and no air, no water, Uh, as opposed to in the dirt where, you know, it's just a whole different thing when it's out in the yard than in a pot turns into concrete. Uh, The difference with with miracle Grow potting soil, and I don't sell anything. I I, I don't. I don't sell anything, but I happen to use miracle Grow potting soil. I just tend to mix it with a little bit of bark to make it go further so it's not quite so expensive, but miracle Grow uh, the company that, that put that together has got a really good recipe for the type of ingredients that hold moisture but allow extra drainage. And get this, they also include a time-release fertilizer in there. So that's another thing in Miracle Grow is it's also got a little extra, just the right amount of fertilizer to help plants grow. So you know, the, the only advantage is good, good, mati- good ingredients, good ratio, plus a little fertilizer. And you can do that with your own stuff by mixing cheap potting soil or compost with bark and throw in a little fertilizer. You can do it yourself is what I'm saying. miracle Grow just happens to have a real scientific recipe, and the reason it costs some more is because they put better ingredients in it. That's all it is. I, I, I use miracle Grow personally because it's good, but I make it go twice as far by mixing it with bark. That makes it cost a little bit less too. Okay. But anyway, good observation. Good observations.
2: Yes, thank you for the information.
0: I gotta tell you, there's a big difference between the Delta and Jones County, though. Whew. man! Oh, man. <laughs> good, good luck on it, man. Okay, let's let's go now over to Brandon. Hey, Brian, thank you for calling, man. What's up?
2: Hey, um, my property's uh, really hilly and uh, a lot of red sand and clay. The soil's just not very good at all, and so I'm considering uh-huh. going with uh, some raised beds. And I was going to build them out of treated lumber. But then I started thinking, are there any concerns about any of the things that they use to treat the lumber leaching into the soil and then eventually getting into my vegetables?
0: This is a really good question. It's one of those contentious things that it's just like how you vote, you know, it doesn't really matter because the politicians are all gonna lie anyway. Uh, (laughs) the truth is the material the ingredients that they use for press treating wood, some of them are heavy metals and they can be damaging in the right concentrations in the right place. In other words, don't chew it. Don't get a lot of splinters and stuff like, don't stand in the smoke with, and breathe all this, the, the stuff that's in the smoke. But nobody does that stuff anyway. Right. But the materials that the materials they use today to pressure treat wood is not the same stuff they used 20, 30 years ago. That was really bad stuff. That stuff has long been gone. And the stuff they use now almost doesn't do any good. I mean, uh-huh. it, the, the pressure treat, you know, if you built a deck, 20 years ago is still out there. Build a deck five years ago it's rotten already. But here's the deal: the things that are in that they used to tr- treat it with, they take a long time to leach out, and they go, they they dissolve and they wash away. Most of them are not absorbed by plants, much less translocated to the, it, within the plant to the parts that you eat. So I don't see a problem at all. There's a lot of benefits in our climate for using it. But if you're concerned about it, just before you fill it up. Just paint the inside of the wood or lay some plastic down or something like that. It's not necessary, but it can make a lot of people feel better. I don't have a problem with using pressure-treated wood at all. I just don't, I just don't chew it up.
2: Right. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Good luck. It's a matter of dosage over time is what I'm saying, uh-huh. and ain't no dosage there. So good okay. luck. I appreciate your call about it, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. Folks, I've gotten a couple of emails about the uh, – about the, uh, the experiments with um, the, the lemon balm and bees. I haven't had a chance to go through them. They're pretty complicated. I got my biofocus on so If there's anything new about that, I'll report. But I'm, so far, until I learn something else, I'm gonna say that the lemon balm is a great plant for bees. Um, hey, if you got some problems with insects in your garden right now, they're, they're building up, they're cranking up, um, keep a couple of things in mind. Not all insecticides are safe to use in your garden. On vegetables. Some have a long waiting period between you spray and when you can harvest. Read that label before you buy it or before you use it. Um, so it, it, don't no one insecticide is going to cover it all. Second of all, if you've got to use an insecticide, try to use the least toxic one you can find. Most of them aren't that bad anymore. What you can buy at the garden center, not that bad. But try not to use things that are systemic on your vegetables or your herbs because they'll show up in, in what you eat later. Uh, second of all, try to spray, spray late in the day after the bees have stopped working. Most of the insecticides you buy today, they don't last very long. Spray them in the evening, they control the bugs overnight, they're gone before the bees and butterflies come out in the morning. Um, so anyway, those are the most important things. Keep in mind, not all insecticides will kill all insects and some can cause problems. Just read the label before you before you go too far. I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. We've been talking about gardening. I've got some questions in my mind. Maybe you do too. Shoot me an email and let's do some research. It's garden at mpbonline.org. My producer today has been the hardworking Java Chapman. Phone greeter has been Kevin Farrell. Um, We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff Monday through Friday, all morning, every morning. So tune in to MPB, see what you got to share, see what you can learn, and but you can teach others. If you get a chance, even though it's dog days here, it's going to get hot again later, take a kid to a farmer's market. Take a kid or a new gardener to a garden center. Show them some things that you've learned that can change their life for the better. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.